Hello and welcome to the Tusk Talks Wrestling Podcast. I am Tusk, also known as your host, Adam Chalk, on my own for now. But uh, there will be some special guests along the way at a later date. If you haven't listened to the podcast before, we review all things professional wrestling and give our honest opinion of what we liked and didn't like about some of the biggest shows, including WWE Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW Dynamite, Rampage, some independent wrestling, as well as the big pay-per-views. And this weekend saw a lot of great pro wrestling. We had pay-per-views from New Japan, GCW, Jim Crockett Promotions with Ric Flair's last match, which I am going to watch straight after recording this podcast. I haven't got around to it yet. And of course, the show that I am here to talk about and that was WWE's premium live event, SummerSlam, which went down in Nashville on Saturday night, which was headlined, of course, by the last time ever last man standing match between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. And we will get to all the chaos of that match a little bit later on. But this was the first pay-per-view, if uh, if you like, of the new Triple H creative era, or whatever they're going to call this. And I don't think it could have been much better this early on in his tenure. Uh, the card was obviously already set by the departing Vince McMahon. But this show had Triple H's fingerprints all over it. Uh, what a breath of fresh air it was as well. So let's start off at the top of the show then because our opening match was Bianca Belair defending her Raw Women's title against big-time Becky Lynch. And what a way to start the show this was. Uh, there were some excellent spots within the match. I like the uh, timekeeper's area bit where um, Becky countered the KOD and ended up delivering a leg drop while Bianca was draped across the barricade. Uh, you had Becky countering a lot of Bianca's arsenal for most of the match. In fact, Bianca was doing the same. Uh, it all looks slick and smooth. Uh, they seem to have great chemistry together. Uh, Bianca's counter of the leg drop into a power bomb while hung up in the ropes was great. And her show of strength just never gets old. Um, it always gets a great reaction as well. I also thought the uh, count-out tease near the end was great. Uh, they got me on that one, I have to admit. The actual finish, in my opinion, was outstanding. That sequence. Uh, Bianca hitting a second rope Spanish fly, which usually is a top rope thing. So that in itself is impressive. And then she went straight into the KOD. And she got the free count to retain the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, and we'll get on to what happened next in just a minute because that was great but what a fantastic match uh, this was to open this show and I think Bianca and Becky need the respect they uh, deserve because they've told a year long story here after Becky returned last year at SummerSlam of course beating Bianca in was it 16 seconds or whatever it was uh, 
and look, they haven't always been given the best material to work with over the last 12 months. But they've done their best to try and tell a story here. And that came through in this match, as well as their earlier WrestleMania matches as well. And both of them are just on fire in, in the ring at the minute. To me, they are probably two of WWE's best workers, and this was just more evidence of that. Um, but let's get on to what happened afterwards, shall we? Uh, because something that I've been clamouring for for ages actually finally happened at one of these shows, and that was the return of the fantastic Bailey. In white as well, which is an instant win for me. Uh, she came back to a great reaction. It's so good to see her as well. and She looked like she enjoyed being in front of fans again after she was the MVP, in my opinion, of the pandemic era. And one of the very best in the world in women's wrestling. Uh, I'm a massive fan of Bailey. Um, but she didn't come alone, as the surprises didn't stop there, because making her return to WWE was Dakota Kai. Uh, I was shocked at this, uh, but very happy at the same time. And this shows that Triple H has been doing work already, trying to right some wrongs of the previous regime, because Dakota Kai, let's face it, should not have been released in the first place. And it's great to see her finally getting a chance in, in WWE on the main roster. I think she's going to kill it. But we were not done there because also joining this interesting group was EO Shirai, now going by the name of EO Sky for some reason. But this is another woman that looked to be out the door just a couple of months ago. Um, but she's now going to get that chance on the main roster. And I'm, again, I think she'll shine on the biggest stage. And it's where she belongs. And the WWE Women's Division all of a sudden looks awesome. Really does. The three of them come down to the ring. Uh, they get in the face of Bianca, Bianca Belair. But we also then got what seemed to be a babyface turn by Becky Lynch. Who stood side by side with Belair. Which again was another great moment. As the babyface turn was well overdue. And maybe the heel turn should never have happened in the first place, to be honest. But that's a discussion for another day when I'm joined on the podcast by a co-host. But yeah, really great start. Um, great start for Triple H as well, obviously. Showing that he he gets this. Uh, future's bright. So we went from that straight into The Miz with his wife Maurice and Champa all wearing matching gear. Which felt a bit strange to see Champa in that gear, if I'm being completely honest, but it kind of worked as well. It did look great. I kind of think there's more to come from The Miz Champa story coming up, so I'll save judgment till then. But this was The Miz versus Logan Paul, of course who was having just a second pro wrestling match, I believe. And my God, you wouldn't have been able to tell. Uh, doesn't matter what you think of Logan Paul and some of the things that he's done in the past. 
And I can't say I'm a fan of the guy, if I'm honest. But I do believe everyone is entitled to a second chance. Um, and I think genuinely he is trying to change for the better. And I saw a tweet from him after SummerSlam saying that he thinks he may have found his calling. And I think he may just be right, you know. Because he was incredible in this match. For a guy from outside of the wrestling business to come in and not just perform the way he did, but also respect the business and work hard and obviously listen to his trainers, he deserves a ton of respect. And I think he got it Saturday night from the fans. Um, there, were, there were booze. Um, but the fans inside that Nissan Stadium um, were on their feet applauding Logan Paul by the end of this match. I was so impressed with his work. Uh, and a good tell if someone gets this or not is to watch the person selling. And uh, Logan Paul did better than some others that were actually on this show that have been doing this for a lot longer than he has. Uh, the guy was also pulling out moonsaults off the apron and phenomenal forearms uh, and that frog splash from the top rope onto Miz, who was on the announce table. It was so impressive. That may look easy, but trust me, just getting on that top rope and standing there is hard enough, let alone launching yourself off from there to the outside through a table knowing this probably is going to hurt but man that deserves so much respect but let's not forget the part that the Miz played in this match as well because I think a lot of his work goes unnoticed by a lot of people because let's face it he's not the guy with the flashiest of move sets but he knows how to play his role and he played it perfectly here uh has really given to Logan Paul as well. And dare I say it, one of Miz's best ever matches, probably. Um, Miz is another that deserves way more respect than he actually gets. Uh, but a really enjoyable match, all of this. And so enjoyable that I'm not even going to talk about how the main story beat of this game uh, going or leading up to this match was how big the Miz's balls are we also had a maximum male model segment on the show where they were basically doing a commercial for water um it's just so stupid but it's one of the best things or has been one of the best things on SmackDown in the previous few weeks. As stupid and as goofy as the gimmick is, I do think they just... If they just went with Max Dupree uh, and let him do all of the talking instead of uh, Sophia Cromwell, I think this would have gotten over a lot more. I think it still will. I, I think Max Dupree has the ability to get this over. Uh, we also had a few vignettes throughout the show scattered about. We had one for Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Charlotte Flair, and I think Kevin Owens was another. 
We then went to our United States Championship match between Bobby Lashley and Mr. Money in the Bank, Theory. And this went exactly how I expected it to go, to be honest. Uh, it didn't outstay its welcome. Uh, Bobby looked great and easily retained. Let's be honest, he beat the shit out of Theory for most of this. Um, his entrance made him look like a massive star that probably shouldn't be messing about with this. Um, but other than that, there was not much else to talk about. I will say that Fury needs a massive rebuild job because his stock is so low at the moment. I know he's going to uh, feature again later on in the show, but I don't know, every time I hear the first few notes of his entrance, I sort of sigh and think, oh no, not him again. I used to really like him in NXT. Um, and he has massive potential, obviously. But he's just being portrayed as a goofball. Uh, and if he is the guy and is the future of WWE and is potentially a, a world champion, then he needs to be rebuilt and given some big wins and put in some good performances. Because the last thing WWE needs right now is a loser champion. That be bad. Um, also, as it is now, if he cashes in and loses, there's probably a bigger job to be done with him. And it would be hard to recover from there, in my opinion. But I do have faith in Triple H to get this one right with him. Uh, a lot more than uh, Vince, if he was still in control. Let's move on to what was supposed to be a no-DQ tag team match between the Judgment Day and the Mysterios. Um, now, I like parts of this, like the first part of the Judgment Day entrance and the gear. Then it turned purple and I sort of hated it. I don't know why they did that. Um, dickhead heel... Finn Balor is so much more interesting than boring, generic, babyface Finn Balor that's doing absolutely nothing. So that's a plus. Ray was great in this match with the little things that he did, and he's still doing things at his age that he was doing when he was in WCW years ago, and that's amazing. Edge's return was cool, um, and sort of. Bit of the brood, bit of the rated R, I don't just bit of the mismatch of everything that Edge has been over the years. But I do hate the fact that the match was just there for the return to happen. Uh, the no DQ gimmick meant absolutely nothing in this match. Um, they were tagging in and out. Why? What's the point? And nothing was really being done. Dominic Mysterio. Also, I'm going to... I don't want to go two-footed on him, but he is still the blandest wrestler on the planet and did nothing once again for me. And he is in need of a personality transplant or something like that because I truly believe that if Ray wasn't his dad, then there's no way he would be employed by the WWE and would be floundering on the indies, in my opinion. 
Uh, he needs, at the very least, to be sent to NXT and just work with the trainers there, try and get something out of him. Um, I felt very little for any of this, if I'm honest. And the only thing I really wanted from it was Dom turning on his dad. And that didn't happen, so I'm not a fan of this. Next up, though, was Happy Corbin taking on fan favourite, and one of my favourites, actually, Pat McAfee. Uh, And I was really looking forward to this match because I actually thought they got the story into this spot on. Um, they built this match really well on SmackDown with the attacks by Corbin and Pat McAfee's promos and I enjoyed the choir singing uh, bum-ass Corbin while Corbin was walking to the ring that was kind of cool I thought Corbin played into that really well as well I do wish Pat still had Seven Nation Army but this entrance was great (laughs) Uh, did its job really well I was aboard the Pat McAfee hype train anyway this was a good showing from Pat even if it's not the best match that he's had Um, I don't think he was helped by how good Logan Paul was earlier in the night I still think this was decent though and Corbin again played his part really well and he's another that is vastly underrated um, I think that, you know, within the match, Pat sort of had a few slips and wobbles and it's unlike him from what we've seen before. But, you know, this is a guy that isn't working every week. He He has a match here and then. You should be able to expect these little things. And I thought he recovered really well in in those instances Uh, as for Corbin he probably needs the character needs anyway a couple of months off now because I just don't see where his character goes from here Uh, I see nothing at the minute in his future so just take a couple of months off come back refreshed ready to go again uh, I also thought Michael Cole and Corey Graves were really, really good on commentary for this and elevated this match uh, to way more than it really was. More on that later as well. Um, and you know, Pat is more over at this point than 90% of the roster in WWE. I just think he's great for WWE. What a signing he was. Drew McIntyre then came out with his magical sword, uh, cut a promo ahead of his upcoming main event match at Clash of the Castle in September. He did a really great job, actually. Um, Good crowd control. I've got the feeling that scripted promos are no longer a must in WWE, which can only be a good thing. I think it's probably there for those that need it, but people like Drew, they don't need it. And that was obvious in this. And we then get the unified tag team championship match between the Usos and the Street Profits with hometown boy Jeff Jarrett as the special referee. And we're going to start there because it is now clear that the only reason Jeff 
Jarrett was the referee and inserted into this match is the fact that he is from Nashville. The whole match, I was expecting him to do something, but nothing really happened with him, which is disappointing, other than everybody having a go at him. Um, I could have, I think they could have been a bit more creative than just wheeling out a hometown guy to be the referee. As for the match itself, though, I thought this was good. Um, we have seen it way too many times, though, so it probably didn't hit as it should have or how everyone expected. Uh, certainly not their best match that they've had. Apart from, you know, the the last few minutes of this match, which is a common theme from an Usos match, were great. Uh, the false finishes drew me in and, and got me, and I thought, I thought the Street Profits were going to win this one. They couldn't quite get the job done as the uh, Usos picked up the win. All four men were good in this. Uh, Angelo Dawkins, he's come on so much in recent times. And again, had a brilliant night. <clears throat> but I hope that the WWE realised just how special Montez Ford is. He's so tan talented. And is someone that I said a few years ago that he gives off sort of rock vibes. Um, and he would be great as a single star that needs pushing to the moon, in my opinion. Well, I think they need, they now have that chance. Uh, we don't need a massive breakup, I don't think, of the Street Profits where one turns on the other, even though it does seem that's the way they may just go. But I just have both. Both of them agree to attempt to make it as singles wrestlers. Both have each other's backs, at least for now. Um, I think that may be wishful thinking, though, from what I've seen. I don't know where the tag champs go from here now, though. Uh, and I don't know who's next to challenge. Maybe it's going to be the Viking Raiders get another chance, but... I don't know, as to who takes the belts, I would say we need new tag teams in WWE. I think we may just get that over the next few months, whether that be call-ups from NXT or pairing new wrestlers together. I don't know what they're going to do there. Be interesting. I think that may be the next division that Triple H works on. Uh, surprisingly then Riddle tried to take over the show as he sort of jumped the guardrail and got in the ring and called out Seth Rollins even though he was injured. Um, I love the attitude of Riddle here. It's not the usual stoner nonsense. And I really, really like this brief segment as Seth Rollins just obliges and ends up coming out. Uh, curb stomping riddle and the way Michael Cole called this was exceptional as well because he put it over as being one of the most dangerous things Seth Rollins ever done and made it sound like riddle could have broken his neck or whatever again brilliantly done all the way round uh, this match looks like it's going to happen at Clash of the Castle I'm guessing and I can't wait for it already I'm sold on it already
Up next was Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And again, for the short time that this was given, I think it hit all the right notes other than making Liv Morgan look a little bit weak as a champion. Um, But I had no idea how they were going to have Liv beat Ronda. So I sort of guess Ronda would have won this match. But what they came up with was so much better, I thought. I really liked the finish. Um, I'm sure there'll be people moaning, but I liked it. Uh, Ronda was also produced brilliantly here. Um, And this is how she should have been used when she first came back to the WWE. Uh, She looked like the old badass that could destroy anyone. And then, of course, we got the the start of the heel turn. After she was outsmarted by Liv Morgan, she beat up uh, referees. and it Really, really good stuff here. Uh, Liv, again, played a part well, what she was asked to do. It'll also be interesting to see where she goes from here. And that's the great thing about this show. You were left with so many questions that you just didn't know... Oh, you don't know what's going to happen now. Uh, I'll briefly mention that Mayor Kane was in the ring to announce the attendance, which was a lie. Um, which I suppose when you remember where this was, um, where this show was, made some sort of sense, but not to get too political. Um, in my personal view, he is not someone I ever want to see on my screen again. After reading some of his disturbing views on Twitter over the past few months, so this is a bit of a miss for me to have him on the show. Uh, but we're not going to dwell on it, because then we had our main event, uh, which was, of course, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship, or whatever they're calling these belts now, in the last time ever, last man standing match. Uh, I'm going to be honest, the hype for this was reasonably low beforehand. Um, I didn't have uh, much interest beforehand, but my God, was I wrong. Uh, these two knocked it out of the park once again unbelievable chemistry between these two Uh, I'm not usually a fan of a last man standing match because you usually get the referee counting after a clothesline or a shoulder block or something like that which is never going to win a match but this has to go down for me as the greatest last man standing match of all time Uh, Before any physicality happened, Brock Lesnar came to the ring driving a damn tractor. Uh, I've never seen that before in my 30 years of being a wrestling fan. There have been plenty of country boy gimmicks, but none of them drove a flipping tractor. We then had the awesome visual of Brock Lesnar stood on the loader bucket whatever it's called, over the ring, looking down on Roman. He did his own introduction. Um, and you could just feel this tension building. 
have to mention the uh, the throw of the mic to Roman, who caught it like the coolest man in the world. If you haven't seen that, search it out on Twitter. I'm sh- it's doing the rounds. I've seen it a few times today. <laughs> so damn cool. Um, we then have Brock sort of realise, ah, shit, I've got to get off this tractor. And, you know, could have just walked back the way he came up. But no, dive straight onto Roman to start this chaotic carnage. Uh, and that's the only way you can describe any of this that we saw in the match. Brock beat the hell out of Roman for the first three quarters of the match, putting him through tables and parts of tables and smashing him with steel steps and even loading him into the bucket and lifting him in the air and dumping him into the ring. Uh, Some hard-hitting stuff. Really great stuff as well. Then something else happened that Again, I've never seen before, and it was something that many of us would probably jokingly pitch as an idea, maybe, um, if you got messed up mind like mine, maybe you did. But Brock Lesnar got in his tractor, drove his tractor into the ring, pushed it back uh, quite far, to be honest, which on its own was awesome, Uh but then Brock lifted the ring in the air in one corner. And by the way, Roman Reigns was still inside the ring. He took an amazing bump, uh, rolled right out of, the, out of the ring. It was an incredible visual, um, which this match was full of, to be honest. Uh, visuals that I'm going to remember for a long, long time. The fact that they were fighting in front of a a ring that was in the air was just (laughs) crazy. Um, So much, you know, I'm going to miss most of what happened in this. This is one of the craziest matches I've seen. Um, For a long time, anyway. The Usos then tried to get involved, but Brock just tossed them around like they were nothing. Uh, Theory came out, he sort of teased to cash in, but he just got battered as well. Paul Heyman even got F5'd through the announce table, for God's sake. Uh, Sort of head first as well, he sold that so, so well. Uh, Roman then sort of came came back and tried everything to keep the beast down, but Brock just kept getting up like the monster that he is. But eventually, the tribal chief, I think he hit him first with the Money in the Bank briefcase, and then the title. Uh, and he then just buried Brock under the debris that was around ringside. <clears throat> what an amazing main event this was and if that is I'm sure it is the last time that these two get in the ring with each other what a great series of matches they've had whether you're a Brock Lesnar fan, whether you're a Roman Reigns fan, whether you don't like either of them, you cannot tell me that you did not enjoy this match Um, amazing match and what made this even better as a viewer watching at home, uh, like I was, 
sat on my sofa was the exceptional commentary from Michael Cole, who had a brilliant night, um, and without Vince in his ear the whole time, is one of the best storytellers out there. Corey Graves was good as well, but Michael Cole elevated this match even higher than you know than it already was. He should be getting the respect that he so deserves for this. Um, you know the the panic in his voice at the end for for Brock telling the referee to count faster so we basically get some help out here for Brock. So, so good. But what a great night it was for the WWE. And the future is so exciting as a fan. Not just for WWE either, but for pro wrestling as a whole. Whether, you know, you're a WWE fan or an AEW fan, this it can only be a good thing for everybody involved. Uh, because finally it seems as as a product anyway that WWE is back as actual competition to the other great pro wrestling products out there. I'm really interested to hear your views on SummerSlam, though, or anything else you've watched over the weekend. Maybe you went to a GCW show, or maybe New Japan, or maybe you watched Ric Flair's last match, um, which we'll talk about in another podcast uh, later on in the week, probably. Or maybe you're lucky enough to be in the crowd for this SummerSlam. Uh, well, let me know by either you can tweet me on Twitter. I am at AdamChalk8. You can follow the page on Facebook. Or you can email us as well, um, which will be in the notes. But I think I've probably talked for long enough now. So until the next time, thank you very much for listening. I've been Adam Chalk and I will see you next time.